This episode of Stick Like Glue Radio is brought to you by Jim Palmer's Dream Business Academy Annapolis. This truly one-of-a-kind live event takes place October 7th through the 9th in beautiful Annapolis, Maryland. And you'll learn exactly how to market and grow a more profitable business faster. Jim and his dream team of speakers will share some of their best marketing and business building advice, all in a pitch-free zone. And don't miss two of Jim's rock star entrepreneur friends, Melanie Benson Strick and best-selling author Bob Berg. Dream Business Academy Annapolis will quite literally transform your business. Do not miss it. Get all the details and register today at www.dreambizacademy.com. That's www.dreambizacademy.com. Hi, I'm Bob Berg, co-author of The Go-Giver and author of Adversaries and Two Allies, and you're listening to Stick Like Glue Radio. Welcome to Jim Palmer's Stick Like Glue Radio, the only podcast dedicated to helping you create an everlasting bond with your customers so they stay longer, spend more, and refer more. Jim Palmer is a marketing and business building expert, author, speaker, and an in-demand coach. He's the founder of the Dream Business Academy and Dream Business Coaching and Mastermind Program. Jim is the host of Newsletter Guru TV, the hit weekly web TV show based on Jim's smart marketing and business building advice. Check it out at www.newsletterguru.tv. And now, please welcome the host of Stick Like Glue Radio, Jim Palmer. Well, hello there, everybody. Welcome to another great episode of Stick Like Glue Radio. This is the only podcast dedicated to helping you create an everlasting bond with your customers so they stay longer, spend more, and refer more. Those are always great things. I'm your host, Jim Palmer, your dream business coach. I'm committed to helping you build a more profitable business faster. I'm very excited about this week's show. My special guest is former hedge fund manager and, and current best-selling author, Todd Tresider. Now, listen, Todd, I want to give you a, just a brief intro and bring you on because I had a lot of questions to ask you. Todd is a uh, former, as I said, hedge fund manager who retired at age 35. He loves playing the money game like a kid loves playing Monopoly. He's now a financial educator and is best known for his ability to simplify complex financial subjects without dumbing them down so you can make smarter financial decisions. He's been featured in the Wall Street Journal, in, in Investor's Business Daily, excuse me, Forbes, NPR, Market Watch, and he's the author of five books on specialty finance topics, including the bestseller, How Much Money Do I Need to Retire?, He's also the host of the Financial Mentor Podcast and gives away a free email course called 52 Weeks to Financial Freedoms so you can learn how to invest smart, build wealth, retire early, and live free. Todd, how are you doing today? Thank you so much for being my special guest on Stick Like Glue Radio. I'm doing great, Jim. Thanks for having me on the show. My pleasure. So, first of all, I got to ask you: You retired at 35. How awesome is that? But if if you've got entrepreneurial blood, I'm guessing you quickly found yourself getting busy doing some other things because sitting still probably it doesn't make much sense, right? Yeah, that's one of the misnomers about retirement. People always picture it as you know sitting in a hammock with an umbrella drink on some tropical beach. But you know, if you have the entrepreneurial chops to go out and do it, you know, I did it at age 35. You could probably tell by my voice I'm quite a bit older than that now. Um, if you have the entrepreneurial chops to do it at an early age, in all likelihood, happiness isn't going to be um, sitting under a palm tree with an uh, with an umbrella drink. So, yep, I I do other things besides just lounge around. 
You know, I'm 57, so I'm really interested in this topic for obvious reasons, but I've also been pretty blessed with some success. I'm able to work and kind of run my coaching business three days a week, and I honestly find the other four days it's difficult to sit still. And uh, I, I joke around sometimes. My kids, they're kind of grown and gone, but probably 10 years ago or so, they gave me a hammock on Father's Day, and I think I've sat in that thing six and a half minutes in the last dozen years. I just can't sit still, so I, I guess I've got those that same entrepreneur. DNA. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, in, in the end, the real goal is happiness. It's not retirement. It's, you know, leading a fulfilling life. One of the things I like to throw around is the goal isn't retirement. The goal is to create a life that's so fulfilling you never want to retire from it. I like that. So, you know, one of the questions, I, I don't know if this is even a fair question to ask you, but, you know, because there's so many variables, but people want to know how much do I need to retire? And, and how do you even begin to figure that out with so many variables like, you know, illness and how long you're going to live and things like that? Yeah, so the traditional approach is fundamentally flawed. I came at it with a little bit of a different background because I was in the hedge fund business. I've been modeling. Um, you know, doing mathematical and statistical models of the financial markets for years. And I, I knew quite a bit about what made a robust model and what set up a model for failure. Um, and when I looked at traditional retirement planning, I went, oh, my gosh. Like, I couldn't believe that was passing for state-of-the-art wisdom. And it's still pretty much what's espoused today. The game's changed quite a bit since I wrote the book. More and more people are becoming knowledgeable on different ways of approaching it. Um, but back when I wrote the book, it was pretty much all that there was, was the traditional asset-based model. And so the problem, Jim, is that, you know, you sit there and you put a bunch of numbers into a calculator, and it doesn't matter if you go to a financial advisor or you do it yourself. They're all pretty much the same calculation. They're a projection, a mathematical projection of your assumptions. And so it's one of those garbage-in, garbage-out equations. If you put incorrect assumptions into the equation, the number that comes out is going to be complete garbage. And these numbers aren't just off by a little bit. They can be off by a factor of two, three, four times either direction, either above or below your real number. And the problem is the assumptions required can't be known. Like, let's just take a couple as an example. Um, one is inflation. You're supposed to project inflation 30, 40 years into the future when you're estimating your number. And, you know, there's people who get PhDs in economics and study this subject, and they can't get it right one year into the future. How's a layman going to get it 30 years right into the future? It literally is impossible. Not only can yeah. the pros not do it, you cannot do it. You know, you could take another assumption, which is your investment return. And, again, nobody can project that in the future. Nobody knows what the markets are going to do, what your specific portfolio is going to do. And so that's what these calculators require, and that's what they crunch their numbers on. And so, of course, it's garbage in, garbage out. So what's the answer then? I mean, if 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 the I mean, you do have to make some assumptions, or is it? I mean, is it impossible to? I mean, some, you're looking for assumptions for, like you say, twenty or thirty years out. If you, the average person could live easily into their eighties and nineties, right? Oh yeah, yeah. And so what I did in the book is I explained that there's really essentially three models, and each one gives a different understanding of the question. Each one's showing you, I think of it like the way I imagine is I imagine it like a 3D sphere, and each, each model is providing a different chunk of that sphere, if you will, and all of them together make up the composite picture. Does that make sense? It sure does, yeah. yeah. And so each of the models, so what they are is one is an asset-based model, the other is a lifestyle model, and the third is a cash flow-based model. And so traditional asset planning or traditional retirement planning just does the asset-based model. And so while it's valid and it's worth doing, um, it's not the only piece of the picture. As I said, there's two other models. 
do you then, I mean, I'm guessing I'm going to lead you down the path, but do you have to do all three and then see how they merge together, or do you like one over the other? Well, they have different levels. They show you different pictures of the puzzle, so it's not an either-or. I like all three. Um, so the cash flow-based model, as an example, is the largest threshold to clear. It's the most difficult one to achieve. But when you achieve it, you truly are financially secure. Okay? So, but it's harder to achieve, and a lot of people can't get there. Um, the lifestyle model is a way of showing you how to live happily on less. It requires... It looks, at, it looks at the relationship. Basically, there's a general rule of thumb. It's not accurate, but it's close enough that we can use it as a rule of thumb. It's called the rule of 300, which is basically for every $1,000 a month you spend in retirement, it requires roughly 300000 in assets to support that spending. And, so, and if you want to be conservative, it could be the rule of 400, which would be for every $1,000 you spend per month, it requires about 400000 in assets. So that's just a general approximation, but what it does is it points a guideline on the lifestyle-based model that says, well, you could go live in New York, and you could eat out at restaurants each night, and all these things, but it's going to require a whole heck of a lot in assets in order to support that lifestyle. Or you might find that happiness for you is living out of a motorhome and fishing the greatest streams in the world, going fly fishing. And that might be happiness for you. Well, that's a lot more affordable. And so... There's different ways of arranging your lifestyle and approaching what do I really need to be happy asking that question, and it can close the gap of you know three, six, nine hundred thousand dollars in savings required. And so that's another dimension of the planning equation. And then the first one, the first model is the asset-based model, which is the traditional approach. And I teach a non-traditional way to approach that, which is um, what I call confidence intervals. And that's where you use a range of optimistic and pessimistic assumptions to get a range of what your retirement number is. And what that does is that keeps people from deluding themselves into believing there's a magic number. The real danger out there is when people start thinking there's a magic number, like when I hit that dollar amount, I've actually got it figured out, and there's actually no such thing. It's um, Retirement planning done right is an iterative process where you get your number, a couple years later you run your calculations again, change your assumptions, and you keep walking forward. Hmm. So I know a lot of people, you know, obviously f friends I have in their 50s, but, you know, like I said, I'm 57. So a lot of people are questioning whether to pay off their mortgage and then, you know, take whatever they're putting into their mortgage and then, you know, be a little more aggressive in their retirement savings or, you know, and I know a lot of people, and we have four kids and other people that I know like us kind of feel like we got a late start because, you know, kids, college, two weddings and all that kind of stuff, you know, it's only money only goes so far. So is there a way to necessarily play catch-up, or what do you think about paying off the mortgage? Kind of two questions there, Todd. Well, yeah, there's two questions, and funny you would ask those two questions. I have two posts on my site that specifically address those two questions. One's called Pay Off Mortgage Earlier Invest, and it's one of the top-ranked uh, posts in Google for that term. Um, and I go through it. it it's, it's too much to cover in this call. We'd have to do a separate call for it because it's, I mean, it's a 6,000-word post, and it goes step-by-step step through the way you analyze it. And, again, the reason I wrote it is so much of what's uh, said on the uh, Internet is actually absolutely incorrect. Uh, it's biased. It's single-sided. Just to show you how complex the issue is, I've landed on two sides of the equation in my own life. My first home, I paid off early, and it promptly cost me a small fortune as my assets doubled subsequently. Um, and then... 
the second home I've carried a mortgage on, and the third home I will pay cash for. Um, so, and these aren't these are I don't own three homes. These are just the homes I bought in order and how I've managed the finances on it. And it has to do with varying needs, and so it's really important that you address the individual's needs, and, that was, and that's what the post does, is it goes through and gives precise criteria in a step-by-step -step fashion so you can help make the decision that's right for you. And then regarding your other question of catching up, I have another post on my site. Again, it's, it's very extensive. It's like six or 8,000 words. Basically, these are like free eBooks that I'm giving away on the site, and it's called um, you know, how to catch up on retirement planning. I, I don't remember the exact title. Um, when you're behind, again, it can be searched on the site or it's in the retire early section on the site. And it's it goes through all the different aspects, all the different angles of how you can catch up, including people who start very late and how the math of traditional asset allocation does not allow them to catch up ever and how they have to apply principles of leverage. So again, it's very detailed into addressing what your situation is and what is the appropriate strategy to catch up. Okay. I'll ask you at the end of the call, but let me ask you right now since you mentioned it. What's the website that uh, these free reports are at? Uh, financialmentor.com. Financial Mentor. Good name there. Okay. Um, what's the difference between uh, financial advice and financial coaching? You know, a lot of people just try and do it themselves, and, you know, I know there's financial planners, there's financial advisors, financial coaches. How do you decide who to work with? Well, a financial coach is focused on you first, and investment products are only tools which you use to express your plan, whereas a financial advisor is about the tools because that's what they sell. Um, so that that is it in a nutshell. Um, financial coaching, it's a recognition, and you know this from your own coaching, Jim, success is more about the person than about the, the specific tactics um, and the personal breakthroughs that must occur. And so... You know, for anybody that's not clear on how that's true, it's really simple to understand that we all have access to the same financial tools, right? A brokerage account with any firm to anybody has access to the same investment products, but will all produce wildly different results, and the difference is the individual making the decisions. And so that's what, that's what financial coaching focuses on is the individual, whereas financial advice focuses on the products, which, of course, anyone can access. Right. Now, I have a lot of entrepreneurs and um, small business owners that listen to this show, Todd. And, you know, obviously becoming an entrepreneur and owning a business is one of the greatest paths toward uh, financial freedom. Can you talk a little bit about that? Is it, is it ever too late to start or is there a certain, uh, you know, what do you think about becoming an entrepreneur later in life? Yeah, first of all, I agree with you. Entrepreneurism is the greatest path to financial freedom. And that's not just your opinion or my opinion. The data supports it. If you look at how most wealth is built, it's built through owning your own business. The second path, the second most popular path, and it's not popular, that's not the right term, uh, second most prevalent path is real estate, direct ownership of real estate, with the third being paper assets, which surprises most people. Um, and those are the only three ways in which you can build wealth, right? Those are the only three asset categories, if you will, is owning your own business, real estate, or paper assets. And paper assets traditionally are a parking place for wealth built elsewhere, um, whereas entrepreneurism, owning your own business, is how you build wealth in the first place. That's awesome. You know, Todd, I know, do, do you coach um, entrepreneurs on marketing? Or, I mean, you're known as a fairly savvy marketer yourself. Or I'm just curious, do you coach, do you coach marketing or do you teach it? Or Yeah, I do when the client's needs are 
building their wealth through entrepreneurism, then of course the marketing path comes up. So it depends on the client's needs and you know what their personal plan is for building wealth. Because everybody's different. See, that's the neat thing about coaching. That's another differentiation between coaching and financial advice. Is when you're working with a coach, you know each person's plan is unique to their skills, resources, and abilities, and what their goals are. Whereas when you work with a financial advisor, if you look at the portfolios uh, underneath financial advisors, you'll find they're relatively similar, and that's because they're all dependent upon the wisdom of the financial advisor. Um, so again, that's just another distinction between coaching and advice. Okay. So let's say you're working with an entrepreneur and they have a service-based business. Do you do you do any do you teach them how to get more clients, or or are you mostly on the uh, financial side? Yeah, my expertise is on content marketing. Um, oh, okay. So I developed, it's an, it's an untold secret in coaching, and you're probably familiar with this, Jim, because you're a coach too, is most coaches don't make squat. Um, it's it's something that's not often talked about, but it's the truth. And, but there's a rare few that make quite a bit. And so I learned how to do content marketing, and I sold out my practice at 450 an hour, even at 600 an hour, I couldn't stop the spigots. And so I'm closed now, like clients can't even work with me um, as I'm transitioning my business to a product-based model. Um, but I do, I do coach people, or I have coached people in the past on content marketing and how to apply it to your service business. So can you give us a couple uh, tips? Oh, sure. Can you give us a couple <laughs> tips on content marketing? And how, if, if you can share kind of how you grew your coaching business, because you're right, most coaches don't make squat <laughs> despite their flashy websites. Yeah, yeah. The key is you have to understand the client buying process. You have to understand how your clients buy, your ideal clients will buy, how they will find you, what they do to convert, and what specific problems they will pay to be solved. And so once you understand your ideal client buying process better than they know it themselves, then you can map your content marketing and your conversion process right into that client buying process so it perfectly meets them. And uh, so that's it in a nutshell. I know we're trying to cut to the chase because we're covering quite a bit of ground in this conversation. Um, but that's really the key in a nutshell. I mean, there's traditional content marketing concepts, um, you know, in terms of, you know, the articles you produce, the podcast, all those different things. But all of it's moot. All of it's a waste of time unless you absolutely know your client buying process and what their needs are at a deep, deep level. So do you, um, I'm curious, do you do, um, when you're saying content, are you like blog-style content? Do you do, uh, do, you, do oh, I know you have your own podcast. Do you do videos? And I mean, do you do a little, a little bit of everything? Or because you're also an author, obviously. Do you go out speaking? I mean, do you cover the whole gambit? Well, um, Pat Flynn garnered a concept called Be Everywhere. I'm, I, I'm guessing he's not the first one, but he put a name on it that sticks, which is the Be Everywhere strategy. And so piece by piece, I'm implementing that as part of a latter stage of my content marketing strategy. Um, but it's really, I've fallen into some of these pieces. So like you could say the author piece, right? I didn't realize that I would get clients off the book. I wrote the book because that's what my clients needed, right? So how much money do I need to retire a book? That was an, excuse me, that was an outgrowth of client need. I Client call after client call, I was answering these questions and educating clients on the same issues. I said, shoot, I just need to write a book, and I can just give the client the book. You know, why waste all the coaching time on it? And so that's where all my books have come from, is really consistent client needs in the wealth-building process and what they need to learn. Um, so that's where that happened. 
the podcast was fascinating, and this fits right in the conversation, and, and you probably know this from your own podcast, is it's an amazing conversion tool. What I heard from people was my writing, you know, as, as you just heard when I was referring to those articles, they're very detailed, um, very high-level professional articles, you know, 6,000, 8,000, stuff people give away as a, you know, words, uh, stuff people give away as an e-book, really high-quality, detailed, analytical um, content. And so what reaction was people were saying was, wow, Todd, like, I really respect you. You know your stuff. But I never thought I could work with you until I heard you on your podcast. When I heard you on your podcast, I got that you're just a normal guy and you just really know your financial stuff, you know. And all of a sudden, people are converting like crazy. I mean, I literally couldn't stop it, and the podcast is what broke it wide open. And so what I learned was the, con the podcast is a great relationship-building tool. People really get to know you. They feel like they know you from hearing your voice and hearing you interact. Um, so each one of these venues, what I'm trying to get at is each one of these venues serves a different function within the whole content marketing picture. You know, I teach something at my live event called the Million Dollar Platform, which is, yes, you have to do it all uh, because, you know, people consume information in different ways. And um, one, of my, uh, one of my coaching clients, Todd, is a, is a female doctor, and she's doing everything. She wrote a book. She's doing a podcast. She started doing videos. She does free reports, all this different stuff. And when, one, when a new client came into her, this was about two months ago, she was excited to share. He said, you know, so I read your free reports. I thought your website was a little flashy for a doctor, <laughs> but I, I got the free reports. It seemed like you knew what you were talking about, but I was still skeptical. Well, I read your book, was impressed you had a book. I listened to your podcast, and that's when I heard your voice, just as you said. Your voice seemed very down-to-earth, non-flashy. And he said, then when I watched your videos, I saw you were just, you know, a very gentle, kind woman, and he became a client. So it, it was kind of this building process of of all these different types of content because you know I'm, I'm sure you've gotten asked this before like i do hey what should i do you know what's the one thing i should do and there's no one thing you need to pretty much find a way to do it all yeah i agree i agree fully and i i, I i'm reticent to say do it all because then what people do is they get um intimidated they feel overwhelmed because guess what it is overwhelming right it's a lot um and so what i always teach people is you start with one thing. You start with whatever it is and you master that and you get good at it and you build it out and then you add the next thing and then you add the next thing. And over time, you've got a formidable platform, but you just have to start somewhere. Um, but yeah, they all complement each other if done correctly. And then that goes into the thing of branding, like how do you have the branding set up and what message you're reinforcing. That goes back to what I was saying earlier about mapping into your client buying process. You can put up a ton of content marketing, but as if, if it doesn't match your ideal client needs, and what your target market is looking for and searching for, it's not going to be any good. So you mentioned earlier that you're moving from a kind of a coaching model to a product-based model. Is there, is there anything you want to share yet, or is that kind of in, in, uh, in process, and we can have you back and talk about that later? I'd love to come back and talk about it later when it's ready. It's, it's not some big secret. Um, I have, I, over the years as I developed my coaching, the whole coaching thing began as an experiment. I wanted to see if I could actually help normal people produce extraordinary financial results. And it took me a while. I mean, I fumbled with it quite a bit. I didn't realize how many pieces go into the equation to get it right. I started with the financial knowledge, and I thought it was just about lecturing financial knowledge just like every other guru out there. So I made the same mistakes everybody else does. And then I had to learn, well, no, there's this whole personal dimension, which is what I was alluding to earlier. And that has to be mapped in with legitimate planning, 
and legitimate uh, financial applications. So it's like the pieces have to all fit together, much like we were talking about with content marketing. It has to be done right. And so it took me years, but over time I figured it out, started piecing together, and that's when I started getting consistent results with my clients. And so then I mapped it out as seven steps to seven figures. And if you go on the site under products, you'll see that that's ultimately going to be the hub of the site, right? That's the business model, if you will. And it's going to take me years to finish building it out. But that's, that's where it's all going is more of a systematized process so I can reach more people at a better price point. Because right now my coaching is closed, uh, there's excessive demand, and the cost is prohibitive for most people. Um, and I never intended on just doing this for rich clients. I really wanted to change the level of financial education out there, and so I have to systematize it and leverage through technology. Well, very good. Well, I'd love to have you back in uh, maybe six months or a year and uh, check in with you and see how you're doing on that. Well, that sounds great. I'd love to. Hey, Todd, how can people uh, connect with you? And uh, I, I know they want to have me make sure you mention that website again so they can get those uh, those free reports, which they can't read in a five-minute sitting, but maybe they can sit down over a, a beer at night and, and get through them. Yeah, so the site is financialmentor.com. And I give away a couple freebies to new subscribers. You mentioned it earlier, the 52 Weeks to Financial Freedom e-course. And no, you won't get rich in 52 weeks, but what you'll get is the basics. You'll learn how the whole game is played, and you'll get, like, the wire, the wireframe, if you will, for how it's all put together. Um, it'll take you longer than that to implement it, of course. Um, and I give away a free e-book as well to new subscribers. So that's all the freebie stuff. And then... Um, the two articles you can find from searching the sidebar or you can link to them in the show notes. Awesome. Todd, thank you so much. I know we covered a lot of ground. I appreciate you rolling with me. I had a lot of questions for you. Thank you so much for being my guest this week. I greatly appreciate it. Thanks for having me on the show, Jim. My pleasure. Hey, folks, that wraps up this very special episode of Stick Like Glue Radio with serial entrepreneur and best-selling author Todd Tresseter. Remember, Stick Like Glue is the only podcast dedicated to helping you create an everlasting bond with your customers so they stay longer, spend more, and refer more. Don't forget, you got to go to DreamBizAcademy, DreamBizAcademy.com. Register your seat. We're about a third of the way sold out. It's like eight eight, nine weeks away, so we'll definitely sell out this event as well. It's in uh, Annapolis, Maryland in October, dreambizacademy.com. And uh, watch for another great episode of Stick Like Glue Radio next week. Until then, keep taking action, keep moving forward, and don't ever, ever, ever give up. Hey, go out there and do something nice for somebody today. Take care, everybody. You've been listening to Stick Like Glue Radio, the only podcast dedicated to helping you create an everlasting bond with your customers so they stay longer, spend more, and refer more. Stick Like Glue Radio features Jim Palmer's unique brand of smart marketing and business building advice for action-oriented entrepreneurs. To make sure you don't miss a single profit-boosting show, subscribe to this podcast at iTunes and www.getjimpalmer.com. To learn more about Jim's Dream Business Coaching and Mastermind program, visit www.dreambizcoaching.com. That's www.dreambizcoaching.com. If you know other entrepreneurs looking for the fastest way to hire profits in their business, please tell them about the Stick Like Glue radio podcast. Now, go and implement what you've learned and boost your profits. See you next week for more Stick Like Glue radio.